fully alive, which is a walk through the book of Colossians. So if you do have your Bibles here, please want you turn there in the New Testament, the book of Colossians, find Galatians, Ephesians, Philippians, and then it's the next book. Otherwise, turn on your digital devices to chapter one, and we will come together over there. And the reason for this teaching series is twofold. The first reason is when we preached earlier this year, we spoke about the need for us to be rooted in Christ. And that's more than just an idea. If we as a church and if we as individuals are going to be rooted in Christ, one of the ways that uh, looks like is we need to be rooted in His words. We need to be rooted in God's words. So one of the ways we want to help you as a church be rooted in God's words is, is generally by biblical preaching, but here with even a more of a focus of putting you in direct contact with God's words. So that you maybe have a bit more tools to go to life group, to go home, to reread these things and feel like you are beginning to understand. And as your roots go down, we are trusting that you're going to be sucking up all of what God wants to give you in your life and you'll start producing fruit in your life. So that's the first reason. The second reason pertains to why we chose the book of Colossians. Now, Paul was writing to an actual church. He didn't just sit down and decide to write the Bible. He wrote to a church in a, a town called or a city called Colossae. It was a Roman city, lots of Roman gods. Uh, this church, much like our sort of experience, was beginning to take a little bit of kind of foreign spirituality, a little bit of foreign philosophy, a little bit of uh, adding this to Jesus, a little bit of adding this to my faith and constructing a bit of a hybrid Frankenstein type faith. And Paul says, no, 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 if you're doing that, you're not fully alive to Christ. And so the focus of, his mess, of, his, of the central message of this book is to say, you need to become fully alive to Christ. And the only way you're gonna do that is by putting Christ first in all things. But by taking a bit of this and a bit of that and a bit of these practices, a bit of this spirituality, a bit of that philosophy, it's kind of like you going home to your wife and saying, listen, babe, out of all my girlfriends, you're first. I love you most and I'm married to you and, and they are a distant second and then you're surprised why you're sleeping outside that night. <laughs> but don't we kind of do the same thing? Don't we kind of take a little bit of this book, a little bit of that book, a little bit of TV, a little bit of DSTV, a little bit of this philosophy, throw in a little bit of Jesus and it's kind of like we've got this diluted Frankenstein faith and Paul is saying, oh, I've got so much more for you. I want you to become fully alive in Christ. And as much as Paul was writing to that church 2,000 years ago, we are gonna learn throughout the book of Colossians to become fully alive to him. And what we've already noticed is that in order to become fully alive in Christ, Paul doesn't start off with a whole bunch of do's and don'ts. In fact, the first half of the book is all about Jesus. Because the more we understand the gospel, what God has done in Christ, the more we understand who He is, then all the do's and don'ts come quite naturally. Well, one of the other reasons that we, that we uh, are looking at this book is also as we become more alive to Christ, our lives are going to be transformed. There was a study I mentioned a number of months ago in a book called Unchristian. It's a research-based book where they looked at the patterns of behaviors, a whole lot of research. And, and one of the areas was researching the lifestyles of Christians versus non-Christians. And guess what? The research showed that the kind of lifestyle behaviors of Christians was exactly the same as non-Christians. 
when it came to porn, when it came to getting drunk, when it came to taking other, other chemicals, when it came to anger, when it came to physically assaulting people, when it came to kind of lying and stealing, the lifestyles of Christians were exactly the same as not Christians. In fact, there was only one area where the percentages when it came to Christianity was lower than non-Christians, and that was when it came to recycling. Christians were less likely to recycle than non-Christians, which is pretty strange. Now, let me on that note say two things very quickly. The first thing is this. The gospel is not work hard, live this moral life, and then God might be pleased with you. The gospel is, that is not how we're made acceptable to God. The way we're made acceptable to God is God knew we could not do that. So he sends his son to live the life we could not live, to die the death we should have died. And then he takes our sin upon his shoulders. He takes his righteousness and gives it to us. So when God looks at you, he doesn't see a good version of you. He sees the righteousness of Christ. And it is on that basis that you are accepted to God. So we love to say at Riverside Community Church, everybody's welcome. Don't leave your mess at the door. Bring your mess in with you because you're in the right place. Give it to Jesus. They died for that. God's grace accepts scandalously. Just for so many of us, we stop there. Because God's grace also transforms radically. Not only does God accept us in our mess and accept people that we might despise, but He wants to take your life and transform it. And at some point, not to earn favor with God, but because you're a son and you're being shaped by Him and transformed by Him, yes, your lifestyle should start looking different. And I'm hoping that that is what happens to so many of us during the course of the series. So let's dive in. We started last week, Colossians chapter 1, verses 1, verses 8. And today we're going to start at verse 9. So read with me Colossians 1, verse 9. We're kind of going verse by verse, section by section through this book together. So, verse 9, let us read. For this reason, stop. For this reason, stop. Now, when we see words like that, we need to ask ourselves, for what reason? For what reason? And Paul is referring to everything he said before. Everything he said in chapter one, everything we preached about last week. You see, the way so many of us read the Bible is kind of like walking into a movie in the middle of the movie for five minutes and walking out thinking we know exactly what happened. All right, it's kind of like me in the Marvel movies. Tell our life group, we've got a bunch of young adults that come to our house every Wednesday. And I told them, you know, we're gonna go watch Captain America, one of the Captain America movies. And they're like, no, 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 you can't watch just that movie. You gotta watch this one and you gotta watch that one. And then if you don't watch Black Panther, then you're not gonna understand what's going on. I'm like, who's got time for that? We've got kids and jobs and, um, and I'm like, can I just watch a movie? No, 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 you can't just watch a movie. And in the same way, we need to understand, we can't just dive in to a verse, rip it out of context, stick it on a pretty sunset and think that we understand God's word. So when Paul says, for this reason, he's building an argument. So what did we talk about last week? Just briefly, what Paul talks about in the first eight verses is this, the gospel, meaning the life, death, and resurrection, gives us a certain hope. We don't have to wonder if God wins. The gospel, the cross, shows us that God does win, that God defeats it on the cross. Sin, death, hell, and Satan. So we know for certain there's a future hope waiting for us. And when we 
fix our eyes on that future hope and on the gospel, love starts to grow in us and faith starts to grow in us. So the gospel gives us hope which produces love and faith. And if that doesn't make any sense to you, lucky for you, the sermon's online, which means it's on the internet forever. So you can go and catch up from there. So when Paul says, for this reason, he's talking about the gospel, hope, faith, and love. So let's read now. For this reason, since the day we heard about you, we have not stopped praying for you and asking God to stop. Some of you are like, it's going to be a long day. Um, you know, we've just got around the corner and we're stopping again. And it is going to feel like we're at the Kruger Park for a while today. But I promise you, we will uh, work well here in this timeline. So, when Paul says, since the day we have heard about you, we have not stopped praying for you and asking God to fill you. I want you to notice these words. We have not stopped praying for you. There's something coming up. When Paul says, I want something for you, church. I want God to do something in you. And this is big enough for me to say, man, I'm praying this every single day for you guys. I'm gonna carry on asking God until he does this thing among you. Have you ever been so desperate for something? You're like, man, when it comes to this thing in my life, I'm happy to wear my wife down. I'm happy to wear my kids down. I'm happy to wear my parents down so I can get this thing. I'm gonna persevere in asking. So some of you have even tried this. So you go home one day, hey, babe, so, um, you know, you're looking so beautiful today, by the way. Um, and, oh, you're so wonderful. And, and please, you know, would you please allow me to buy a Harley? And she's like, mostly, uh, no. And you're like, well, um, oh, and once again, you're looking so beautiful, babe. But uh, I, I see your no, and I want to raise you. Please, 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 please. You can do whatever you want. You can buy, no questions asked. You can go buy what you want. If you let me buy my Harley. All right, my point is this. It's not about Harleys. The point is we don't push through with that kind of perseverance with the small things. We are willing to persevere with our kids and our wives and our husbands when it comes to the really big things. And Paul is saying, I'm about to introduce to you a really big thing. In fact, it is so big. I'm going to ask God to do this in you every day until he does it. So what is this thing? And Paul says, we've not stopped praying for you. We've not stopped asking God for this thing. What is that thing? Well, let's read on. So Paul says, we have not stopped praying for you and asking God to, let's read the rest of the verse, to fill you with the knowledge of His will through all spiritual wisdom and understanding. Now, I don't know how you received those words. I don't know if maybe you're sitting there, you're feeling a bit underwhelmed. Like Stephen, you really built us up there. I was expecting Paul to pray for massive blessings for us. Maybe to pray for ESCOM. Maybe to pray that, you know, all hungry people will get fed today. And, and, and now it just sounds like a, a bunch of Christian knees, a bunch of stuff that I don't really know if I understand that. What's going on here? Couldn't you be praying for a little bit more if it's such a big deal? So why is this verse so important that Paul says, I'm gonna carry on praying for this for you. I'm gonna carry on. I'm gonna persevere in asking God for these things for you. Why? The answer is in the next verse. And we pray this in order that, in other words, like similar to last week, just like the gospel gives us a certain hope which produces faith and love, so Paul's gonna build an argument. If we get verse nine right, there is a in order that. 
there's a consequence. In fact, there are multiple consequences. There are multiple outcomes that if I keep on asking God to do this thing among you, when He does this thing among you, there are gonna be multiple fruits, multiple outcomes. So what are those? This is where we pick up the pace a bit. I've actually kind of bullet pointed them on the screen behind me so you can see what happens in our lives if God answers verse nine. So we pray this, verse nine, in order that, number one, you may live a life worthy of the Lord, and two, please Him in every way, three, bearing fruit in every good work, four, growing in the knowledge of God, five, being strengthened with all power according to His glorious might, so that six, you may have great endurance and patience, seven, joyfully giving thanks to the Father who has qualified you. Now we come back to the Gospel. So the Father has qualified you to share in the inheritance of the saints in the kingdom of light, future, certain hope, for He has, He has the gospel, He has rescued us from the dominion of darkness and brought us into the kingdom of the Son He loves, in whom we have redemption, the forgiveness of sins. Paul's basically saying, if God gives us verse nine, I'm gonna summarize the next verses. We pray this in order that we live a godly life. We please God in everything. We bear fruits. We know God better. We're strengthened with power. We've got great endurance and patience and great joy. Now I'm hoping you're looking at this screen now saying, I want that in my life. I want to grow in those areas. And if we understand what Paul's saying here, all of that comes from verse nine. God giving us verse nine. So if all of this hinges on verse nine, we're gonna spend the rest of our time this morning on verse nine. For this reason, since the day we heard about you, we have not stopped praying for you and asking God to. What I want you to notice now that we look at this a second time is that whatever God is gonna give us is given to us in prayer. It's given to us in prayer. For so many of us, prayer is kind of that thing that we do when we feel guilty or when we really, 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 really need help. But for the rest of the time, we maybe say a little bit of a grace. Mm, maybe we even say grace in a restaurant. You know, others could see that we're praying. Maybe God noticed. But for the rest of the time, we're not engaging in prayer. Whereas the biblical view of prayer is that prayer is, you need to get this, prayer is positioning yourself to receive the things that God wants to give you. Kind of like, Downloading an email or watching a Netflix movie. I don't always understand how these things work, but somewhere your email is on a server somewhere and somewhere the Netflix movie is on a server somewhere and because of Wi-Fi, because of internet connectivity and because of cell phone data, kind of, you know, there's internet going everywhere and we can, in theory, connect with that email or that movie anywhere. And if you've got a device that can potentially connect and download these things, you can do whatever you want. You can sit for as long as you want in front of that computer, in front of that tablet, in front of that cell phone. But if you're not connected to the internet, you'll never get that email. You'll never get that movie. No, but look how much time I spent in front of my computer. Doesn't matter. You didn't go online. But look, you know, I wrote essays and essays and essays. It still doesn't matter. You're not connected. And in the same way, we say, God, I want you to do all these things in my life. 
I wanna have all these fruits in my life. Look how much I'm doing for you. Oh, that's great, but you're not praying. Well, I went to church twice on a Sunday. Oh, awesome, I'm so glad you did. But you're still not positioning yourself to receive the things I wanna give you. Oh, but I, I tried not to swear and I tried to be a good boy this week. Oh, that's wonderful, I'm so glad you did. But you're not connected. All these things, verse nine and the verses following, God wants to give you, which is why Paul says, I'm praying for this for you. I'm asking God to do this in your life. But the only way we're gonna see this happen is not by trying harder or following five easy steps. It's only going to be by praying, by persistently praying by asking and asking and asking like Paul did. And in that way, positioning ourselves so that we can download, to stick with that metaphor, the things that God wants to do in your life, the grace He wants to give you, the good things He wants to do through you. So what does this look like? Uh, what, what are the kinds of things that Paul's praying for? Well, the first thing he says is this. We're praying for you. We're asking God to fill you with the knowledge of His will. So let's stop there, the knowledge of His will. When we talk about God's will, we have to differentiate between two different kinds of will. The first will is what we call God's general will. God's general will is the kind of thing written to us in black and white, in Scripture. It is there in multiple languages. If you're here from Europe, you've got it in your languages. If you speak an African language, you've got it in your language. In fact, in English, you've got multiple translations. So if you don't like the NIV, you can read it in the ESV. It is in your language. It is easy for you to understand. If you apply your mind, it is all there. It is really God saying, this is who I am. This is what I'm doing. Here's what I wanna do in your life. Here's what I wanna do through your life. Here's what following me looks like. Here's what maturity looks like. Here's what church looks like. Here's what mission looks like. And as we follow that, that's what we would call following God's general will. But then we get God's specific or God's directional will. Those are the prayers we tend to pray a little bit more of. Lord, you know... A job opportunities come up for me in Cape Town. Should I, should I go or should I stay? Or Lord, oh, you know, you know that girl, she, she's wonderful. Lord, what do you think? Should I or shouldn't I date her? Oh God, I, I really want to start a new business and, and I'm really hoping that I'm in your will. So God, should I or shouldn't I start this business? Now, here's what I've noticed. I've seen it for so long in my own life and I've seen it so much around us that we are far more interested in God's specific will than God's general will. So we're saying, God, come through for me. God, bless my business. God, show me where I should go. God, show me who I should marry. But we're ignoring His general will. And God's kind of saying, you don't want me. You, you don't want to know me. You don't want to follow me. You just want me to be like, you know, call a friend on who wants to be a millionaire. You're in a bit of a pickle. Oh, God, help me out with this thing. Done. And then you want to get on with your own life. And God is saying, no, no, no. I want you to seek me. I want you to know me. So guys, I want to say something now that is probably going to be the most important thing that I say today. If you're going to forget everything else, you need to remember this. If you're going to write anything down, you need to write this down. Don't ask God to guide you. Become the kind of person that God guides 
Don't just, oh God, I need some help. I need some wisdom here. Please help me out. And then I go back to my own patterns of behavior. No, no, no. Become the kind of person who is following God's general will. Become the kind of person that God is working in. I'm, I'm spending time with Him. And in that, see how God guides you. Don't ask God to guide you. Become the kind of person that God guides. See, when it comes to God's will, God is far more interested in who you are than whether you move to Cape Town or Durban. God is far more interested in forming His Son in you, forging new creation life in you, so that wherever you go, His will is being done, than in saying whether you should have a cafe chocomocha or a mochaccino, the kinds of things that really stress us out in life. Here's another verse that uh, if you've been a Christian for any period of time, you've probably heard this verse a number of times. Um, and I wanna show you how this idea comes through so powerfully. Romans 12 verses two, you might've heard this verse before. Do not conform any longer to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then, underline, circle, bold, arrows, cut it out. No, no, don't cut it out. Then, you will be able to test and approve what God's will is, His good, pleasing, and perfect will. We want part B without part A. We want God to say, Steve, this is what you need to do. This is the job you need to take. This is who you need to marry. But I don't want to be transformed. I don't want to leave the world behind me. I don't want to become fully alive to Christ. And this verse is saying, we need to become fully alive to Christ. We need to turn from the world and our fleshy desires. We need to be transformed by Him. The way we're gonna be transformed is by the renewing of our minds, which means we're gonna start thinking differently. We're not gonna be thinking like the world. We're gonna be thinking like God. His Spirit is gonna be in us. We are gonna be transformed. And in that, when we do come to Him, then, then you will be able to. Then you'll be able to test and approve what God's will is, His good and pleasing and perfect will. And it's for this reason that Paul says, so I, I never stop praying that for you, church. I, I never stop asking God to help align you to His will. And, and in fact, he uses the word, I, I, I'm asking God to fill you with the knowledge of his will. Not a little bit, a little bit of spice of God's will in my life. No, I want you to be saturated. I want your life to be defined by God's will. See, and as we become the kind of person that God guides, then we will be guided by him. So how do we grow in God's knowledge? Well, it says here, Keep asking God to fill you with the knowledge of His will through, so this is the conduit, through all spiritual wisdom and understanding. I love how when Eugene Peterson paraphrases the message, this is how he says these verses, just helps us understand what's going on here. Be assured that from the first day we heard of you, we haven't stopped praying for you, asking God to give you, comes from God, give you wise minds and spirits attuned to His will, and so acquire a thorough understanding of the ways in which God works. See, there's two types of wisdom. There's God's wisdom and there's the world's wisdom. And the scriptures tell us very clearly that God's wisdom appears foolish in the eyes of the world. 
We don't like appearing foolish. Hence, a little bit of the world's wisdom and a little bit of God's wisdom. And Paul's saying, no, 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 you can't do 50-50 here. <laughs> if you're gonna have, be living this transformed life, I want God to fill you with the knowledge of his will and give you all spiritual wisdom. High dosages of spiritual wisdom and understanding. Now we've already spoken about how this happens through prayer. This is something that God gives us as we persistently come and ask him to do these things in our lives. But imagine we had something a little bit clearer. Imagine we had something in black and white that we could download onto our devices and understand what God's will is. Imagine we could read something in language that we understand so that we can actually, we're not left guessing and figuring it out on our own. And of course, I'm being very sarcastic because we have it. We've spoken about it earlier. If we wanna grow in God's wisdom, if we want to know what God's will is, if we want to grow in what it means to walk a life devoted to following Him, God has given us His Word. But again, we want the wisdom without the Word. No wonder we're so gullible. I've seen you on Facebook, all right? No wonder we believe everything that we read because we're not saturated with this. We're not aligned with God's general will in our lives. In fact, it is so clear, there's nothing, there's no great mystery here. 2 Timothy 3, 16 to 17, which speaks of what the Scriptures are to us, says these words, all Scripture, all Scripture is God-breathed and is useful for teaching, rebuking, correcting, and training in righteousness. Don't, you want, don't we want to be trained in God's will? So that every man of God, woman of God, may be thoroughly equipped for every good work, not just for some good works, for every good work. We wanna live fruitful lives. We wanna live lives that represent God's will. We wanna be filled with all spiritual wisdom and understanding. This verse is saying very clearly, if you wanna be taught in these things and trained in these things, if you wanna be equipped to live out this pattern of life, we need to be saturating ourselves with God's word. Stephen, that still doesn't help me whether I should move to Cape Town or Durban. Well, let me use another metaphor here. Some of you, there's Trist, some of you guys are amazing football players. I was horrible. I've got two left feet when it comes to soccer. Uh, my sport was hockey, but let's just stick with soccer for now. Um, whether you're my son's age, uh, seven years old, eight years old, nine years old, or whether you're playing pro football, the first thing that you do when you arrive is that, first of all, the coach gets you fit, right? So run. Run around the field, do push-ups, make sure you go to the gym. And for my kids, it's maybe 400 meters. For some of you guys, it's a much uh, tougher fitness regime. But then once you're working on your fitness, then you're gonna start doing all these drills and exercises, getting you agile on your feet, getting you sharp, getting you thinking football. You and the ball is one. There's only one problem with all of those exercises. You get out on the field and the people don't move like road cones. All right, they come for you. They're doing everything in their power. They're gonna play dirty to get the ball away from you. But here's the thing. If your coach has been a good coach and if you've been doing those drills and if you've been mastering those exercises, you are now equipped for agility. You are now equipped to deal with situations you haven't planned for. And Scripture is exactly the same thing. 
when we are living out a life of obedience, coming before God's word, saying, I want to live this life fruitfully before you. We come before his word, not just to read and hope that he notices, but because we want to understand his will. And when we start living this out, by the way, that's what faith is. Faith is simply living out God's word, living out God's will. When you start seeking wisdom, God's wisdom and not the world's wisdom, it's kind of like working on the rudiments, getting the basics in our life. So then when you are faced with a tough situation at work, when you are faced with a difficult situation in your family or in your marriage, when you are faced with something and you're like paging through the scripture and you say, there's no verse for this. Because you've mastered the basics, the rudiments, you are positioned to respond to life with agility. You are now, you're getting God's heart into you getting God's words into you and you can respond to life in a way that God would respond. And on top of that, because you are exposing yourself to God's words daily, you're exposing yourself to God's heart daily and not only that, but you're coming before God daily in prayer, desperately and persistently asking Him to give you these graces. Graces are simply what God gives to give you what only He gives because of that you are way better positioned to hear him when he says Cape Town not Durban wait stop go yes she's good for you no she's not and it is for that reason that Paul says I pray this daily for you guys so as we start wrapping this up some of you are saying, Stephen, okay, that's great. What does this look like? How do I move forward in this in my life? Well, I, I've got one action point for you. It's a very simple action point. It is simply take verse nine and never stop praying it. Stephen, where do you get that from? I got it from verse nine. <laughs> Report says, I haven't stopped praying for you. I haven't stopped asking God to do this. And by the way, there's no end point to this. God wants to mature you in this. He wants to grow you in this. The verses that we spoke about last week spoke about the gospel growing in you, bearing fruit in you. And all of these outcomes that we looked at, God wants to do in your life. So take this verse and never stop praying it. I mentioned last week that I had been going just in my own personal devotion time. I'd been going through these books. I got to Colossians chapter one. I came to these verses and I said to myself, Stephen, both for your own sake and for your church's sake, start praying this verse and never stop praying it. What I've noticed as Paul writes to different churches, you can go to chapter one of the book of Ephesians. And you can see Paul prays a very similar verse. You can go to the book of Philippians and you can see Paul prays almost exactly the same thing. Some of the words are slightly different, but basically the heart of it is, Pastor Paul, he's praying for God to give us spiritual wisdom. He's praying for God to give us spiritual insight. He's praying for God to give us spiritual understanding. He uses words like, enlighten the eyes of your heart so that you may see what you didn't previously see so that you may know him better. 
God needs to do that in your life. God needs to help you see. God needs to help you see His way and His will. God needs to give you spiritual insights and understanding and discernment. God needs to give you spiritual wisdom. So I'm looking at Pastor Paul and I'm saying, wow, if you're praying for all of these churches starting off in exactly the same way, best I get on my knees and pray for those exact things. I'm not saying there's a direct cause and effect, but I, all I'm saying is, since I started praying those verses, I know God has been faithfully doing that in my life. And I... <laughs> that is what I want for you. To you see God like this being that you don't know. The only way you're gonna know him is if God starts answering my prayer in your life. The only way you're gonna see him, see him for who he is, is if God starts answering my prayers and these prayers. So guys, I'm gonna ask that if this is something that is stirring in your heart that you stand and we're gonna pray exactly these verses for me. So I invite you to stand now as we submit ourselves to this. That you open your hands and your heart to receive, not just now, but starting now, the kinds of things that only God can do. And so pray with me, just agree with me and for this reason, God, we thank you for the reasons of the gospel, bearing fruit in our lives, giving us a certain hope, producing faith and love in us. For this reason, from the day we heard about you, we have not stopped praying for you and asking God. So Father, I stand here asking you to do what only you can do through prayer. May we as a church be positioned underneath your will to receive these things because only you give them. May we persevere in seeking your will in our lives. We not stop praying for you and asking God to fill you with the knowledge of your will. Father, may we know your will. May we see your will. May we see your good, perfect and pleasing will. We are not slaves in the sense that you're not forcing us to obey these random commandments, God, but you are leading us towards freedom. You're leading us towards a knowledge of Christ. You're leading us towards effective and fruitful lives. You're leading us towards wholeness. You're leading us towards life. Help us see that, God. And your transforming walk in our, uh, work in our lives, although it's painful sometimes, God. It's because you want more for us and for your kingdom. So fill us with the knowledge of your will. God, give us spiritual wisdom and understanding as we do come to your word. Allow us to see your word in ways we haven't seen it before. Allow us to recognize that your Holy Spirit is speaking to us. Your word is alive and active. It is equipping us. It is training us. 
God, help us to think like you think, see like you see, feel like you feel as we are transformed. And God, we thank you that as we pray this, you're gonna help us live lives worthy of you. Live lives fully devoted to Christ, that we fully alive to you. Live lives that please you in every way. Live lives, Lord, in our life where we are bearing fruit in every good work. We're growing in our knowledge of you, God. We don't just know things about you. We know you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord, that as we align ourselves with you in this way, we are strengthened with all power. According to your glorious might, God, that is a lot of glorious might. And you wanna give that to us so that we have great endurance and patience in this world in a world longing for great endurance and patience. God, thank you, you give us joy and we can joyfully respond to the Father daily because of the work you've done in our lives, because you've qualified us. Not based on my good works, based on Christ. You've qualified me to share in the inheritance of the saints in the kingdom of light. God, we, God, we honor you for the gospel. For you have rescued us from the dominion of darkness and you've brought us into the kingdom of the son you love in whom we, Riverside Community Church, have redemption and the forgiveness of sins. And thank you, Lord. This is a work started by you, sustained by you and completed by you. And God, would you pour out your grace as we position ourselves underneath you to receive all of these good gifts in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen.